0: Hey, what's up, hell's fans? I want to take a moment to tell you about our friend Ralph Malbro and Andrew Juge at Saints Happy Hour. Not only are they the podcast that Sean Payton hates—if uh, you guys haven't heard that excerpt, you need to—but uh, they cover the Saints with a perfect blend of sincerity and uh, stupidity. Uh, God's honest truth, I love this podcast, you guys. I listen to every episode. Uh, it's it's honestly my favorite. I probably listen to thirty podcasts per week, and I never miss these guys. Not only because I love the New Orleans Saints, I've had uh, I had season tickets from 1991 to 2002. But honestly, these guys are just freaking hilarious. I podcast all the time, as you guys know, and and I often lament that I'm not as funny as these guys. So make sure you download their podcast, Perfect Blend of Fun and Saints coverage. Search Saints Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts and let them know we sent you. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. We are now recording part two of our draft centric pod. This one is going to be a bit more focused about the Pelicans and their specific needs. They're slated. Uh tied for the 12th and 13th position with the Sacramento Kings right now. So we're gonna generally uh live in that hemisphere. Our guest once again, Ben Pfeiffer at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore Charlie Gonzalez at CWG the second. Uh Ben, you are now a contributor to the Bird Rise. I think you have been for about six months uh what what made you want to start covering the pelicans how long have you been a pelicans fan okay well i am actually not a pelicans fan i am how dare you and yeah i'm not a pelicans <laughs> fan
1: i am a pacers fan by the way so but but i was looking to get into a different market um kind of looking for the future and i'm a big draft guy and um i just looked at it, like as a team whose fan base who's who's like overall goodness as a team was going to grow exponentially over the next three four five years with of course um them drafting arguably the best prospect of the last decade or two in uh, number one overall in 2019 and zion And so i mean i just looked at that as like that's a team that i want to be watching every night and writing about and covering and it's been a blast uh for the first year so i d- definitely think i made a good decision and pelicans fans have been very gracious mostly except for um some specific takes I have that I won't go into because I don't want to get <laughs> specified today but um but yeah I'm um yes I, I am a native of LA and a Pacers fan so very out of place um geographically and and fan wise but I am def I definitely enjoy the Pelicans and I really enjoy covering them and I have a, and I have high hopes for the future so
0: Well, I don't think we can get too mad at you for being a a Pacers fan. Uh, Obviously, we've got the Holiday Boys out there, uh, and and it's a good team, fundamental team, not one of these uh, Hollywood-type teams that are always trying to steal our superstars, so to speak. Uh, Let's go ahead and shift over to Charlie. Charlie, on the last podcast, was talking about bodying up Greg Oden. Can you give us one more story of some notable (laughs) athlete that we all know and love that you went head-to-head with and how uh, maybe you got the better of one of them on a possession?
2: Oh, gosh. As um, far as, I mean, the most obvious one that uh, I, I've mentioned, at least to Preston in the past, and, you know, our, our David Fisher's favorite player uh, is uh, Rajon Rondo. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Rondo uh, and I grew up in the same neighborhood, uh, uh, playing against each other, played on the same AU team uh, back in high school. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, may or may not have taken a few games off of him in my high school days. Um, and that may or may not have been due to, you know, his temperament. So, uh, you know, I'll say that, uh, we were able to, to, to take him down once or twice, uh, as far as that goes. Um, but definitely, uh, I think that, that, you know, my, my Odin time was, was, was always the most impressive. I was able to play against that Spice Indy Heat team, which is uh, a lot of people consider as like one of the best AU teams of all time. The starting lineup was Greg Odin, Josh McRoberts, uh, Eric Gordon, Daquan Cook, and Mike Conley. Oh my god! Um, it was a really uh, it was a fun game. Uh, they beat the tar out of us to begin with. We got it closer, and then they just decided to play basketball again, and, and it was very, very over very fast. <laughs> um, but uh, that that those that, that was fun. I got to see a lot, you know, playing uh, on the A U circuit growing up, and and you know some of those teams were a lot of fun. The Atlanta Celtics with Dwight Howard, Josh Smith, Randolph Morris. Um, Sean Livingston, before he, you know, his knee exploded, was one of the most incredible players to watch, um, at least in high school. But uh, so the, those are my my war stories that are remotely worthwhile that any of the listeners might actually know.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's nothing to scoff at, especially Dwight Howard and Josh Smith. That sounds uh, very formidable, especially when you're the one that has to uh, uh, occupy the paint with them at all times. That does not sound not like a great fun. time. Not a
2: great time. <laughs> Lopez Twins are probably the ones that were the least fun to ever because those those guys hurt.
0: Yeah, I will say that uh, being a, an Orlando resident as I am now, uh, I see the Lopez Twins all the time at the theme parks. Uh, Clay Thompson is also a diehard. Uh, harry potter fan but i see the lopez twins at everything star wars related probably once every couple of months of course every time whenever they they play here but more often than that they'll come down here in the off season those guys are super nerds uh i i would imagine at that <laughs> point in time they're probably into like wizards and lord of the rings and stuff uh which we all i just think it's super cool when you see like two seven foot two guys trying to get on to um, star wars path of the jedi or whatever let's go ahead and talk basketball talk the new orleans pelicans um ben we're going to start with you as we did on the last podcast of course you guys remember uh ben uh in addition to his own podcast prep to pro uh he contributes for the bird rights the step back rookie wire uh, our first question is from our good friend of the podcast. You may remember his voice on, uh, one of those hilarious. Oh, I can't remember what it was. One of those ads that let's just say, uh, helps your confidence. Uh, Waka, Waka, Wakanda. He says, whom should we draft? What do you think of? I cannot pronounce these Sadiq Bey and Leandro Balmoro. Again, I don't watch college sports, so please forgive me, Ben. Who do you think the Pelicans should take? And what do you think of those two prospects? um
1: well all right so we talked about this guy a a little bit on the last podcast pelicans are take look to be picking somewhere between like 12 and 14 my number one option is is tyrese maxi who talked about last time is a tier one type player for me and if he falls um i don't care about fit he you have to take him i think i think he's that good um the other guy who i would kind of be pounding the table for who I know a lot of Pelicans people are also fans of is Devin Vassell a Florida State sophomore a big fan uh, of Devin Vassell uh have been ever since last season and he's really taken his game to a new step this year this the best team defender in the draft um incredibly strong off the ball defender with his stunts and making rotations and playing at the nail uh not as great on the ball but that's less important to me generally And then offensively um, has some questions about his decision-making and his burst uh, getting to the rim. But I think, but I really do believe in his difficult shot making. He shot like over 40% on long twos this year. So that's, that's uh, a nice sign for his shot making upside. And I think besides being a guy who probably is a fine, fine enough spot up shooter, I think his passing is a little underrated. And I think he has some underrated difficult shot making upside. So that's a really excellent, like, three and D plus wing, which like everyone's looking for nowadays. Um especially New Orleans. I think he's the guy I'd want to target. As uh, as for Sadiq Bey and, and Leandro Balmaro, start with Balmaro, because I'm a big Balmaro fan. He's in my lottery. Um there's this six foot seven um like point guard I think I, I absolutely think he's a point guard. Um, he's one of the best ball handlers in this class, Um, has some struggles like in traffic with stronger guys. because He's not super strong or bursty, but incredible handling control really gets to spots. And just a very good manipulative passer. Um, He's great in the pick and roll. Um, The jumper is definitely a question. The big questions with him are being that that his frame and how he really scores in the half court, because he's not, his frame isn't great. And his, his, his jumper isn't, isn't spectacular. His, his form has improved recently and then most of his games have come against like weak Spanish, like I think Spanish second or third division comp- competition. Though when he does play up in the Euro League with with the big Barcelona team, he he is quite good. But yeah, and, and then defensively he's a monster at the point of attack, incredible feat. and then team team defense he's he, he's smart too. So just as like a, a creator swing, I, I love his upside. Sadiq Bey, I'm not as high on. Um, I have him like in like the like the late 30s I uh, i'm really not a believer in him As I, like like his shooting is very good no doubt um but I, I don't really have much belief in anything else he can probably attack a close out and make decisions but he's really not super athletic and he can't create for himself and then i have worries about his defense both both on and off the ball and i think th- there are better options when it comes to like shooting type wings so i, I would not be happy with bay so.
0: All right, Charlie, when we get to 12th or 13th, I know you would love for James Wiseman to fall. I don't think he'll make <laughs> it quite that far. But uh, just in terms of prospects that the Pelicans might be looking at at 12 to 13, who do you think would th- uh, the Pelicans would be best suited if they fell? And who do you think is just the best fit for the Pelicans?
2: Well, I really do. Uh, I like uh, Onyeka Kamu, the center. I call him a center from USC. He's, he's a big guy. He can plug in as the, you know, a four or five. I think he's got the versatility to be able to, to maneuver back and forth between positions. Um, again, we just, uh, Ben and I are on the same wavelength with Vassell and Maxi. Uh, I think those two would be excellent um, as far as, as plug and play, as well as being able to develop in something more. Um, those three, are, I think, are kind of in that range. Uh, look like they could be picked up at that spot. Um, and, and the other one, I, you know, we've mentioned before is uh, Denny Abdijah, If he's hanging around, we know uh, he's a Fletcher Mackle target. So that's definitely something to uh, keep in mind for, for memes in the future. Um, but I, I think that the, the those kind of four players all kind of fit within what the Pels are looking for or could be looking for. I mean, I think that's the big question. We've got so many variables this offseason season that they're going to have to address. Uh, I mean, we can expect to keep probably like seven or eight players on from the current roster. And I would say that you can almost you know, write in stone the point guard, the spring point guard, small forward and power forward. But after that, it's going to kind of be up to what the front office really wants to prioritize as far as going it, trades, free agency, re-signing players. I, I think it's kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, let's just uh, get this out of the way because obviously uh, the Pelicans have four picks in this draft in addition to the possibility of bringing over Didi uh, Luzada on a portion of their mid-level exception. Uh, I can't remember his name, but somebody was brought over two years ago on about a three-year, $4.8 million contract. I would anticipate that would be somewhere near the vicinity if they brought Didi over of what he would make. Uh, Right now, the Pelicans are 15 deep as far as the 2019-20 season goes in terms of free agency. uh, You've got Darius Miller, Jaleel Okafor, there's a team option on Miller uh, that we would expect them to exercise because he is going to cost $7 million. And the Pelicans are very tight with the cap. Uh, then we've got Etwan Moore, We've got Derek favors who might be the only one of the group that we expect them to bring back. So not a lot of space. Uh, we don't anticipate the Pelicans being very active in free agency, just because like I said, they're not going to have uh, any cap space. All they really have at their disposal is the mid-level exception. So if anything, you'd think they'd bring back favors and then uh maybe bring back Kenrich Williams, Frank Jackson and possibly uh add the remainder of these of some of these picks and with that we'll get back to Ben because we have a lot of questions. I'm going to try to get everybody's name uh play Zion at uh, uh, shooting guard (laughs) lol that handle Uh, i'll I'll get to these names in a second thank you guys for your question but the the question basically is uh ben are you drafting if you are the pelicans and like i just said they're probably going to be 11 deep before the draft even starts before free agency starts are you going for best available player or do you have even the inkling of who fits best in the back of your mind when you make this selection
1: uh, yeah, I don't care about fit at this point. I'm just going straight BPA Um, at this point for the Pelicans. Like you said, they have so many picks and so many players. I think one, I could see one and multiple being stash, being stashes. Um, I'm very anti-selling second round picks. I think that's generally just a bad move. So I, I mean, I would trader pick all of them. I, I wouldn't sell any of them. I think draft and stash is likely what you're going to see at least once or twice from New Orleans if they keep the picks. Um, yeah, at this point, I'm just, I'm just looking at who are the values um, that are available to me at, at this point, uh, like at that point in, in the draft. I mean, th- they have picks all over the second round. Maybe you consider fit a little more at the beginning of the second, but still, um, at this point, I'm going to be looking for values. And based on the way like, a lot of boards and mocks are set up, it looks like there's going to be quite a bit of value in the early second range to exploit for New Orleans. So I think I, I'm just looking at the best guys available.
0: All right, now before we uh, turn this over to Charlie, I just want to talk about some of the picks that the Pelicans do have. In addition to their second round pick, which is uh, going to fall, uh, I'm guessing around the same vicinity, like 45-ish. Then, of course, they have the pick from Milwaukee, which is probably going to be uh, the dead last or somewhere near to it at 60th. And then they've got a pick from Washington, uh, which, like Ben said, is going to be very early on in that second round. I think they're they're somewhere around the eighth, ninth range. So you're going to get that one pegged around like 38, 30, 39, which is kind of the vicinity where they got check diallo and frank jackson if the pelicans were to package their pick at around 44 plus the 38 39 they might be able to to move into that frank jackson check diallo range let's go over to charlie uh and and we'll just kind of follow up on that obviously uh when you're when you're picking in a draft that's that's not that flush with talent you want to pick the best available player with that being said Where do you think are the Pelicans' two biggest needs right now throughout their roster?
2: Their biggest needs, in my opinion, I think would be getting some size on the back line. I think we saw it a lot uh, throughout the season. You know, Favors is an excellent player, and I love him as as much as the next fan uh, does. But there was a lot of instances where he would get kind of bullied on the block by, by bigger players, and they were able to kind of keep him uh, from being as effective around the rim because favors, you know, he's only about you know, six, eight, six, nine. And if he's going up against an Embiid or something like that, you know, there's only so much that you can do to be able to keep him away from the rim. And obviously Julie Locafort has not really uh, been any sort of detriment to uh, anyone else scoring around the rim. And then Hayes just has a long way to go. So that just, I mean, I think that depends on how much you believe Jackson Hayes to be able to make as far as strides in the next year or so. Um, then besides that, I think uh, we really needed a consistent uh, backup point guard throughout the season. But as you know, Ben just said, you're looking constantly at the fact that uh, a, a backup point guard seems to be a mostly attainable prospect, even though the Pels somehow really couldn't find a consistent uh, replacement at that level. So I would I would target mostly either a big strong wing, a, a or a kind of Potential uh, high high end kind of center prospect that could you could throw in there to eat some minutes uh, against those 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 monsters throughout the league. If you're going to keep favors and keep him as your starting center, I think he needs someone that's going to be able to co- you know cover his back or give him just a little bit of a breather when he's going up against some of those giants.
0: All right, Ben. Charlie's making me a little bit nervous because he uh, mentioned uh, two needs the Pelicans have, and obviously I'm just teasing. Uh, But being the Pelicans' first-round picks last year, the 8th and 16th overall picks, or maybe it was 17th overall pick, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes. Uh, Obviously, Jackson Hayes uh, had kind of a redshirt year. He was forced into action early because of injuries to both Zion and Derek Favors. And then as those guys returned to health, we saw him uh, go back to the bench a little bit more alongside Jaleel Okafor. But in terms of the Pelicans' needs, how confident are you that Nikhil and Jackson Hayes are ready to contribute in their sophomore years? I'd be more confident in Jackson,
1: and that's why I'm vi- I- I'd am i be, like, pretty opposite of Charlie in being pretty anti-drafting a big high. One, I have <laughs> a lot more confidence in favors defending the interior. I just don't think post-defense is that important nowadays, because, I mean, besides Jokic and Abid, like, there really aren't any of those guys you really have to worry about consistently, Um, except for that one time when Jaleel Okafor tor- torched the Pistons, but luckily <laughs> he was on the Pelican side, so... Um but yeah, I that mean one I have game a year is really important. Yeah, you, know. you gotta stop julio that one time. Yeah, we treasure it. And and then um yeah, but I mean Jackson like like as someone who was pretty high on Jackson, he exceeded my expectations greatly last year. I mean he was incredible around the rim as he was in college. I think defensively he was pretty good as well, considering his age um and his lack of like strength. He was really really impressive as a rim protector and had some like impressive moments overall defensively. But yeah, strength is a big issue. Um, but I, th- but I think he was like, I- I'd i call him like a close to positive player as a rookie last year. And I think he's going to be better than that next year. So I have like a pretty reasonable amount of confidence in Jackson Hayes being like a better NBA player, even better player, NBA player than he was, um, next year. And then, uh, uh not Alexander Walker. Um, I'm probably a little less confident in him, especially defensively. I have, I have a lot of worries about him. And then offensively, I also worry about like the same things I worried about uh, ranking him out of college. Just his ability, cre- his ability to create space and and separation, and obviously his passing is very good, as as you've seen throughout his throughout summer league, he showed. And then throughout the there were certain games. There's a game early against Miami where he really showed his ability to pass the ball. Um, but yeah, I, I have I have worries about his his aptitude as like a point guard, a backup point guard, at least now. I think as he develops, he could definitely be a serviceable backup point guard type if his, maybe the shot or the, the driving continues to improve. But I'm, he's the one I'm less confident in being like a really strong rotation player next year.
0: All right. We're going to follow that up with Ben. Before we do that, this is James Smith Jr. I kind of touched on what the Pelicans, uh, what their flexibility is in free agency. Uh, Long story short, they don't have much room. They can add someone via the biannual exception, which is 3 million, which they're probably not going to do due to the uncertainty, plus their limited flexibility, plus Pretty much every NBA player I would anticipate this offseason just due to the shrinking numbers, unless they're like this, is their last chance at a big payday, they're probably going to take some form of a one plus one deal, uh, a one year guaranteed and then a player option in the second year. So if the Pelicans do explore free agency, I would anticipate the only thing they do is replace Derek Favors with a mid-level exception. Um, or maybe a big wing who can kind of be an improvement over the Nicolo Melli position, but you're, you're not getting a big ticket free agent. The the most you're probably going to get is somebody around the, the six to maybe 10 million a, a year range. Although, like I said, previously, I think that some of that money is going to go to Didi. Thank you, James, for that question. Okay. Back to Ben, how would Didi rank in this draft class? Uh, we mentioned the need at backup point guard. Can Didi fit that? This is from Sam Wilcher.
1: Um, I'll go with no uh Didi's definitely not a point guard. <laughs> um he's like a, he is a like an off ball wing, um in in truth, which I think is probably a bigger need anyways. Um guys who can defend guys who can play that three and D role and uh Didi can do that. In terms of how he would rank, um I ranked him in like I, I believe I had some somewhere in the low thirties last year. I think he'd probably be in that similar range, if not a bit higher this season. As he wasn't that he wasn't that great this year with with Sydney in the NBL. His his jumper fell off quite a bit, which is disappointing. Um, but still I have confidence that he can get back to that level of shooter that he was in, I believe, the Brazilian League before he got drafted. And then just being the the very good odd and off-ball defender that he is. So um just like those three and D plus wings are very scarce in this class. So he'd be a guy I'd definitely have in that like late first-ish range, I I'd probably say and someone who I'd be excited for the Pelicans to get in their development system.
0: All right. Uh, this one's going to be for Charlie and I'm going to inject my two cents into this one as well. This is from Alexis Galozer. I hope I pronounced that right. I probably did. He said, not really on draft directly, but do you think we should try to keep Frank Jackson? He is not bad, but with many other guards, especially young ones on the roster and a draft heavy, uh, with guards in front of us, I fear maybe it's time to say goodbye. Now here's my comment before I turn this over to Charlie. I don't <laughs> think that we as fans can evaluate, can properly evaluate Frank Jackson, uh, via what he gave us on the court. His minutes were far too inconsistent. The way he was utilized was inconsistent. Two minutes to end the second quarter, three minutes uh, in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, A guy who's generally averaging anywhere from three to eight minutes a night. Um, We know how high the front office is on him. David Griffin took to Twitter to publicly defend him when uh, one of the bloggers in New Orleans came after him. And in addition to that, Drew Holiday mentions him as a younger brother, mentioned on J.J. Reddick's podcast that he expects Frank Jackson to be good enough to replace him someday. Now, now you have your own opinion on that. That's totally fine. I'm just talking about in, in regards to how the front office and how the players feel about Frank. It's clear they are all very, very high on him, and he's going to be very, very cheap. He's not going to cost a lot of money. Teams aren't going to be falling over themselves to try to acquire him. So with that being said, Charlie, would you jettison Frank?
2: Well, I think that you kind of, there's a lot of polarization with Frank. I feel like there's almost a a unified, like, love him or hate him uh, kind of set that we've seen amongst the fandom. And I I, I feel that he's kind of, his nebulous, uh, kind of in the middle uh, area would would lean more towards the jettisoning. Jettisoning. Now, granted, I do think that uh, given the situation with, that we're all in with the the financial ramifications that are going to impact the NBA, it might impact, well, I think it will impact his market, obviously, and probably will make him extremely affordable, just like you said, Preston. So if you really want to keep him as your kind of off-guard, defensive ace, uh, off the bench, it's possible. I don't think it's uh, unreasonable. It just depends to me on where you kind of see. There is such a cluster within this roster right now of guards and and guard forwards that really are going to need minutes. Like you said, it's not helping anybody if Frank's inconsistent and thrown out there just to be a pit bull every once in a while and shut down Derrick Rose, which he can do, but it just needs to be something for him. I think if I was him as well, I would want something, situation with a little more consistency uh, and to be able to really kind of uh, grow as a player because in the Pelicans right now, if they're going to plan on keeping – Mikhail to Walker and giving him more minutes next season. If they're planning on playing J.J. andrew and Josh Hart, you know, there's a lot of minutes to to be eaten up just right there, and that's just going to be something where I think that uh, Frank's not going to be able to really crack the rotation beyond being a specialist, uh, in, unless there's major injuries or something like that. So, I would lean more towards a, a jettisoning in for both himself and the team.
0: Yeah, I'll say uh just this and then we can move on from Frank. Uh he's the only guy we've talked about for three questions now. Uh just in terms of Frank, he's he's probably a guy who's not gonna get a lot of minutes next year again because, like you said, you've got Josh Hart, you've got JJ Riddick. But after that year, if Nikhil Alexander Walker does not supplant him in in the roster, this is a this is a rotation player and he's gonna be a very low cost one. And don't evaluate him based on what you saw in 2019, 2020 for all the reasons we specified earlier. Evaluate him on what you saw in what was essentially his rookie season, the latter half of 2018-19, when he was getting those consistent minutes alongside drew Holiday, when a lot of the guys uh, were were sitting towards the the latter half of the season when a- after Anthony Davis was playing twenty minutes per game, uh, Alfred Payton missed a lot of time, et cetera et cetera. Uh, in In those instances, you did see that pit bull who could attack the basket, uh, who could be a spot up shooter from the corner. And that's all really that you're going to ask of Frank. You're not asking him to be a long-term starter, an all-star, just uh, a low-cost eighth or ninth man in your rotation. And I do believe he can be that player in time. Uh, All right, back to Ben. we got a lot of questions on draft and stash from Exhibit C, AJ Valiant from Finn. Uh, We talked about those three second rounders. What are you doing with all of them, Ben? Yeah, uh, draft and stash
1: is a big one. Um, I'll talk about the first one. no matter what, I want if I can get Desmond Bain, I want Desmond Bain. Um, Desmond Bain, TCU senior wing, kind of like I'll talk about this a little bit on my podcast, but he's like the Terrence Davis of this draft. Um, they're not not in like play style, but back they're both very good seniors that are gonna fall inexplicably. Um, that was obviously gonna be good NBA players. And Desmond Bain, um, like six foot six. A uh, wing, really elite shooter with, like, pull-up shooting versatility, lots of range, off movement, um, really great pick-and-roll passer as well, has some really, really impressive reads there. The issues with him are just not getting the free throw line, like a sub-20 free throw rate, really, really unathletic on the drive, on his drive, but he's super strong and, and built like a truck, so he's a super weird athlete weird frame also like really short arms as well and he's smart defensively i love desmond bain i think i mean he, i mean there are people who hire. but i have him in like the the early early 20s i think he's better than two guys we talked about on this one i think he's better than aaron e smith i think he's better than sadiq bay and those are two guys that are probably going to go in the lottery or the top 20 and desmond bain someone you can get in the second round or maybe even later um as an undrafted guy depending on what you, you look at so he's someone who like like I think every team should be looking for especially new orleans that needs those 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 wing type players so he's like a, a crazy value in efficiency and one that i would be all over um and then in terms of other picks i think draft and stash is probably something you're going to want to look at and there's going to be like a lot of there's going to be quite there's going to be quite a few options depending on who stays in i'll go I'll, I'll just throw a guy who i've been watching recently that i'm a fan of um abdulayan i believe is how you say his name he is a 20 i think 22 or 23 year old french wing plays for Cholet, which was killian hayes's old team um he's just like a a six foot seven wing with a seven two wingspan really impressive passer um at his size makes pick and roll reads is patient like like just just an impressive passer at that size is um is kind of the main offensive thing with him um and then and then he shot 30 like she shot 75 percent from the line last couple of years, uh, almost 40 percent from three, um, like not the not the best ball handler or the, or the burstiest, but the passing on that size. And then defensively just in, length is so disruptive and he moves well for his size. Just a guy who's that big with that many skills, is a guy who I'd love to draft in the stash if possible, or
0: maybe even bring
1: over if if we think he's ready.
0: Nice stuff. All right, we'll finish up with Charlie, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I I, I lost where the question was, but I will find it in a second. Essentially, we we know that this isn't the strongest draft. However, uh, Charlie, if the Pelicans did want to move into the top five picks, they do have an interesting bit of trade bait. Uh, Obviously, David Griffin is going to want to negotiate with Drew Holiday this summer. He is extension eligible. Uh, He can potentially opt out of the final year of his contract in the summer of twenty. 21 so this is de facto his contract season so if the pelicans aren't able to hammer down something affordable with him long term you know that Hart's going to be expensive lonzo ball brandon ingram the pelicans are going to get very expensive very quickly if the pelicans can't come to reasonable terms with him uh prior to the draft is is there somebody in the top five you would warrant moving drew holiday uh, to go up and get charlie
2: there is no one that, that I would move drew for not, not this. And it's not a, a drew uh, over overreaction as far as loving drew. That's purely, I don't see anyone within this draft that, that would both fit this roster as well as um, got enough high level poten- potential. I mean, for God's sakes, we already got Lonzo, so we don't necessarily need LaMelo. Uh, <laughs> um that that's really as far as and I, I I'm right there with uh, Ben on that. I feel like Lamella's really the only prospect that comes in a, 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 as a potential superstar as for uh, for that level. I mean, there are some guys that that uh, get dra- get really highly touted. I'm not a big Anthony Edwards fan, and there's a lot of people that would probably move Drew to get up and get him. I'm I just I'm not a fan of, of what he brings to the table as far as getting uh, the the parameters of this roster and i just think that with, with what they've got if you wanted to move drew for pick for the picks next year that's that's more reasonable uh and much more effective but i mean you got to highlight the golden state warriors who are obviously going to be looking to contend next season and are they going to want to you know deal their top five pick is, is drew really worth giving the warriors a chance at, at you know the, an incredible defense for you know one of these guys i don't think so
0: All right. We also have the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Atlanta Hawks who would probably like to add Drew Holiday. Minnesota did a win now move giving up their 2021 pick and that highly coveted draft you guys have been talking about for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, And then you've got the Atlanta Hawks who probably wouldn't mind putting Drew Holiday alongside Trey Young and bringing Kevin Porter off the bench. Uh, probably pronounced that, uh, improperly. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Ben, talk a bit about more about what you do. Obviously you're with the step back. You're with the bird rights. You've got your own podcast prep to pro. What do you want our listeners to know about your work and, and where can they find uh, more exclusive content as to how you view this draft class?
2: Uh yeah, so
1: I, I do a lot of things. I'll try and keep this quick. Like you said, um, most consistent, direct, in depth way you'll you'll find out of my draft opinions are by listening to Prep to Pro. That's um, you follow us on Twitter at Prep Number Two Pro Pod, and then all of our links to the podcast on their uh, weekly episodes. Uh, good content, I think. Um, at least I think, and then, um, lots of, uh, I do written draft content at uh, the step back. I'll probably have some of the bird rights at some point. Um, some, some rookie content, rookie wire working on like more like featurey type stories on, on draft prospects. So for that side of it. So, um, lots of exciting content coming for me, hopefully in the near future.
0: All right. And we've also got Charlie Gonzalez, follow him at CWG the second. He left his podcast microphone in storage. Why'd you do that? Charlie? (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know, it, sometimes you make decisions you regret, and <laughs> and you live to see what happens afterwards. So, you know, I'm just going to thank Corona for my shoddy uh, connection and and, and audio.
0: Well, you still sound pretty good to me. I appreciate you guys so much. This was part two. Uh, thank everybody for listening. Uh, make sure that you share this with your friends. Uh, rate it on your phone on iTunes. Grab uh, somebody else's phone and and rate it on theirs as well. We appreciate it so much. And of course, if you guys do have more questions, you want to follow up on something. Remember, uh, Ben is at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore Charlie C W G the second. Go ahead and reach out to them. Get their thoughts on stuff. Get them to expand on stuff. They're happy to answer all of your questions i am preston alice uh on the bird rights right now we've got my article on derek favors and drew holiday in addition to what may become of the pelicans in the 2019-20 season for now thank you guys so much for listening let's dance and let's go Pels.